Hello and welcome. I am Richard Vincenti Jr. and this is episode number five of the Geek with Envy podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, we're starting to get some statistics back on the podcast. We are getting some listeners. Uh, we really appreciate the, that you guys are out there listening to these. We really put uh, a lot of hard work into these podcasts, so I hope that you enjoy them. Uh, we're constantly trying to improve them on uh, every episode. So uh, thank you again for joining us. So next-gen consoles, that's what we're here to talk about. Uh, that's what we're going to go right into it with because there's a lot of buzz out there on the internet about Xbox 720. Last podcast, we talked a little bit about PlayStation 4 and some cool features. There's some very controversial things out there as far as uh, removing optical media drives from these consoles and whether or not they will or will not have them. Uh, I, we don't know. There's also some speculation about having consoles, the next-gen consoles, be internet-only uh, or only functioning, only being able to play your games if you're online, which is a way to fight piracy, but uh, that might not go go over so well with the gaming community, especially uh, with used game uh, vendors, right? These used game vendors are going to be, uh, well, out of business, essentially, if that uh, if that happens. So, some really interesting things going on out there. But, Xbox. Xbox 360. The current-gen console. Uh, nothing short of spectacular, right? This is an awesome piece of hardware. And it has been around for some time now. Obviously, we've talked about this in the last episode, that some of these consoles, yeah, they're starting to feel their age a little bit, but... That's only because of the pressure of the industry, right? We were just expecting something new, but... Really, these consoles have continued to evolve. I mean, the Xbox 360 is much, much different uh, than it used to be, uh, especially you know when it first came out. It's a completely different console, in my opinion. Uh, and it's amazing. There's a lot of cool features on there. I mean, heck, Windows 8 is almost pulls some of the things from the dashboard experience, right? So what could they do to possibly make it better? Well, they're always adding things. And one of the most recent things that they have added is Xbox Smart Glass, which is amazing. Now, Xbox Xbox Smart Glass has just become available for iOS, which is super cool because now that means pretty much every platform uh, that you run on mobile, you will now be able to uh, use Smart Glass on. So what is Smart Glass? If you haven't heard of it, or maybe you've heard of it but don't know what it is completely, um, well, basically what it is is... With Xbox Smart Glass, you can use your phone, tablet, Windows 8 RT tablets, uh, and PCs to control your Xbox. So, in many ways, it's like a remote control, but you have an added benefit of using gestures to navigate and control your Xbox. And, of course, it's not just about controlling the Xbox, but it's also about offering a deeper and more immersive experience by providing extra content that will appear on whichever device that you install Smart Glass on. 
So let's just say your iOS device or your favorite tablet that you use, uh, like maybe the iPad. Um, you will be able to see content that's extra content that's not on your television screen uh, for the Xbox on your tablet or other device. And so it's a lot, in a, way, a lot of ways, it's kind of like the Wii U model where you have this, uh, the controller has a screen on it and there's some extra content and some other interactivity going on on the little screen uh, that uh, works along in conjunction with what's on the big screen. So uh, pretty cool, right? So Xbox is adopting this kind of cool idea of having two screens uh, simultaneously while you're playing a game and each feeding you a bit of uh, data, right, that's useful for the game. So you can have some cool content features like like extra commentary uh, right there in your hand, uh, maybe a map, maybe some map UI right there in your hand, so that way you don't have to pull a map menu up or, um, or you know have a map overlay on top of your actual game. You can just have one right in your hand, almost like you were really standing there, and you just look down and open your map. Uh, what about uh, interactive strategy guides that you could have with uh, Smart Glass? You could have a strategy guide in your hand that knows where you are in the game, and then helps you on your journey depending on where you are in real time. How valuable is that, right? I mean, that's amazing. That is a cool feature. So uh, TV integrating with your mobile device, your, so your consoles and mobile devices um, or PCs uh, really can, you know, feel like they're all one major giant device, right? It's all connected. And I think that's really awesome. And that's what Xbox Smart Glass does. And now you can enjoy Xbox Smart Glass on all your iOS devices. So definitely a cool, cool product, right? So you can get Xbox Smart Glass, uh, Smart Glass or Windows, Windows Phone, Android, and iOS. We have some links on the website. And if you want to check out the little video demonstration of Xbox Smart Glass, you can go over to geekwithenvy.com and click on Xbox Smart Class, now available for iOS. It's right there on the front page. If it gets booted off the front page, if you're listening to this podcast a little bit later, then, uh, you know, and it's no longer on the front page, no need to worry. That's why we have this the awesome handy-dandy uh, little search box up there in the, in the top right corner. So just type in uh, anything, Smart Glass or Windows Smart Glass, Microsoft uh, Smart Glass anyway, and hit search, and it will pop up right there in the results for you. So, yes, speaking of consoles, what about what, what, what makes consoles great, right? Well, yeah, the hardware is awesome, but of course it's the content on the consoles. It is the games. And what game could be bigger for Xbox than Halo 4, right? I mean, Halo is an absolute amazing series. It's an amazing franchise. It's it's brilliant. Um, I've enjoyed Halo for years. Uh, every single game release I've been excited about, and Halo 4 is no exception to that. Now, uh, I wrote a little post about Halo 4 and what I think uh, makes this franchise so successful and what, I, what makes it so captivating. And so I kind of put in my little personal experience about it. And to be honest with you, um, I wasn't really, at the beginning when Halo first came out, um, I knew what it was, I had heard about it, but I wasn't really excited or interested at all. Um, I had grown up, I've grown up playing 
uh, I, what I like to call the pioneer days of 3D gaming, right? Uh, I think a lot of us in my generation have. And we spent many hours playing classic titles like Wolfenstein 3D, Doom, Duke Nukem 3D, Rise of the Triad, Quake, okay, you know, among many other games. And uh, you know these games were among the first in the industry to do what they to to be three dimensional like this to do things uh, shooters. This is like really how shooters started, right? And um, so I came from that generation, and I really enjoyed Doom. And Doom had uh, made many games, many releases. I think they had made Doom One, Doom Two, Doom Three, um, and I kind of followed that. I kind of followed the Duke Nukem thing for a little while, and uh, I had enjoyed shooters on the PC primarily, you know, and uh, there was a there was Quake Quake Arena, which was really cool, um, and I really enjoyed doing that too. I know Unreal Tournament was something that was really awesome. Um, so again, basically, I just always wanted to play shooters on the PC, and I never really thought about playing shooters on the console. Now I had played some shooters on the console. I don't want to rule them out completely. I, I didn't mention all these in the article, but um, there were some games like uh, that recall that I can recall right now. Uh, on Nintendo 64 in particular, there was a really good 007 game, Goldeneye. That was always fun to play multiplayer with your friends. Um, that one turned out to be really good. I was impressed by that. Um, and I did play some of the ports of Duke Nukem and things like that on 64, but I always, always felt that the PC was superior, and in a lot of ways it was, for 3D shooters, okay? And now, I'm not a, a hardcore shooter fan. I kind of tend to uh, play any game, and I do enjoy, you know, strategy games and things like that, too, and RPGs. Um, but I, I did, I was pretty heavy into shooters for a while. And uh, I'd heard, again, going back to the story, I heard that, you know, when Halo came out, uh, that a lot of people were enjoying the game, and I didn't really think much of it. I thought, well, it's a console game, you know, so it'll probably be good, but it won't be great. You know, it's not going to be like my favorite PC shooters, right? Well, boy, was I wrong. Um, I did eventually get the Xbox because it was just, it became so appealing, and a lot of my friends had influenced me uh, and persuaded me to kind of get involved with Xbox. And uh, so I bought a unit. And I got Halo Combat Evolved. And I, I popped in the disc and I started playing. And again, I was slightly less than optimistic about playing this shooter on a console. And especially since it was in part created by Microsoft, right? So I'm like, okay, you know, you know and keep in mind that there's this weird feeling, you know, Microsoft making a shooter? I don't know, you know, I'm not sure how that's going to play out, you know, and maybe they should have got id involved, you know, um, right, or, or something, a little, you know, what, what's going on here? How could this be as good as people are saying it is? Well, boy, was I wrong. I mean, I jumped into this game, and honestly, the way the story telling was, up, I, up, up to this point, I had never seen storytelling quite like the way uh, Halo had done st storytelling. I mean, I really felt almost immediately I felt pulled into the storyline of the game. I really felt like there was a lot on the line. And I think that's what captivated me. It's just the storytelling in the, was, in the world that I was in was so unique and immersive. 
and it was beautifully done. The graphics were very good, um, and Master Chief was just awesome. And right away, I felt invested in this mission to save the world. And another key feature that I noticed right away was just the artificial intelligence in this game was awesome. I mean, it was really cool. I mean, these guys were fun to to fight. It really felt like a fight. I really felt like I had to strategize a little bit. I really felt like I needed to figure out what I needed to do next around each corner. I mean, there was like little battles going on behind each rock. You know, it was like, okay, I'm, I'm behind this wall. I've got this section. There's this guy here. I mean, it really felt like I needed to, to come up with some strategy. And it so it really started to pull... Uh, really started to pull on me. It made me feel really immersed into the game. And I was loving every minute of it. And it completely changed my opinion on shooters uh, on the console. There was no way I was going back at this point. I said, look, uh, if, if you know, something could be this good on the console, um, then, you know, what's next, right? And uh, so, wow, this this new, strange, awesome world I couldn't leave. I couldn't leave. I couldn't stop. I couldn't turn off the game. Every uh, little bit of progress I made, the storyline kept me so invested, I could not uh, pull away. And I didn't until I beat the game. I spent the entire day playing Halo straight through, nonstop, many hours. Um, I started early in the afternoon the one day that I got everything up and running and, and set up, and I actually did not stop playing until it was like early morning the next day, and uh, when the credits were rolling on the screen, and man, that was, it was awesome. It was an awesome experience. And ever since then, Halo uh, and Bungie, Microsoft, they have done a really good job, and now 343 Industries um, has done a really good job at uh, preserving the story and, and keeping what makes Halo, Halo alive through each version of the game and uh, Halo 4 is no different. Uh, Halo 4 employs an amazing story if not more so than any of the previous games and there's so much additional content that you can get into now. Halo is really this massive universe that is, has grown into this massive universe that actually reaches far beyond the game itself. You actually have a lot of content out there uh, some people might not even play the game, but still be interested in other aspects of the of the content that's out there in the Halo universe. So, it's really deep now, and uh, it's awesome. It's absolutely awesome. Halo Four is no exception to that. Halo Four is available in in two editions now. They have a lot of games do this now. You have a standard edition, uh, which is fifty nine ninety nine, and a limited edition, which is ninety nine ninety nine. Uh, but either way you go, definitely awesome and. Uh, I kind of liked my story about how I got pulled into the Halo universe, and I've been hooked ever since. So, Halo 4, it's really about story. All the Halo games are about story, and I think uh, what's great about Halo 2 is um, that you can, can, they can continue to build on this universe easily, really easily, because there's so many different stories that can take place in this world that they've created. There's almost no end to what you can do in the Halo world. So that's pretty awesome. So we don't really know, you know, what else is to come. So, you know, we kind of thought, a lot, of, a lot of people thought that Halo was done after the third game. I didn't think so. I, I had this feeling that the Halo, you know, there's just, 
Halo's too good. There's going to be something else. There's this, there's so many uh, different stories that can be told here. And sure enough, Halo 4 came along, and here we are again. Another chapter, another awesome chapter. There's a lot of amazing graphics in this game. There's a lot of really cool uh, animations, cutscenes. So, oh man, it's just... And, and of course, there's strategy. Just like the first game, the same things that impressed me about the first game are still in... Are, are still in the fourth game. So they've maintained, they know what makes Halo successful, and they've kept that alive. So awesome to see that. Um, I'm going to change gears a little bit here. We're on the topic of new things. We're always on the topic of new things when you're involved with technology, right? Let's talk a little bit more about Windows 8, but more specifically, Windows 8 PCs. And what I mean is, what if you're in the market for a new computer, a new PC? And, of course, all the new PCs are going to want to feature what? Windows 8, right? So, you go out, you buy a new computer, and, well, what if you don't like Windows 8? I like Windows 8, I think it's pretty cool, but not everyone's going to like it. A lot of people like Windows 7, and they don't see a reason to upgrade right now. They're not impressed with the new UI. They feel that, I like Windows 7, I'm sticking with it. But they want a new PC, and it comes with Windows 8. Well, that's alright, I'll just buy the PC, and I'll just downgrade it. Well, maybe not so fast, right? HP is mentioning that downgrading your new Windows 8 PC may cause hardware issues. Alright. There might be a workaround for that, right? There's got to be something. We can work this out. Maybe not. The only answer, the only solution to these hardware issues that occur may be to revert back to Windows 8. Wait a minute. That's pretty intense. You've got new hardware that just is not backwards compatible with Windows 7 at all. That's a little weird. That's a little scary. And if you're serious about not using Windows 8, that's a big problem. Now what makes this worse is, it can be rather difficult to switch to Windows 7 anyway, because Windows 8 works a little different when it comes to the BIOS. The BIOS will require modification in order to work with Windows 7 because a lot of these new PCs are built with a completely different set of uh, instructions, pre-OS instructions. The BIOS, it runs completely different on a lot of these machines for Windows 8 than it does for Windows 7. So basically it's going to be kind of a headache is what we're getting around to. So. And you can remember, you can always opt to buy a Windows 7 machine, a machine with Windows 7 pre-installed with hardware that it definitely works with. So you might want to consider that. If, you do, if you're not a big fan of Windows 8, I wouldn't just jump in and buy a Windows 8 PC and think that you're going to go backwards. You may want to make sure that Windows 7 is already installed or that it's definitely going to be compatible before you make your purchase because that could end up being really bad. So this caught my attention, and I thought, wow, that's that's pretty intense. In fact, uh, the direct response from an HP administrator uh, when they asked him about downgrading is uh, is this. 
HP does not recommend downgrading on any HP consumer desktop and notebook products. After October 26, 2012, HP consumer desktop and notebook products will ship only with Windows 8. Windows 7 will not be supported on these new platforms, and no drivers, apps, or Windows 7 content will be available through HP. If users choose to downgrade their HP consumer desktop or notebook system, HP will continue to support the hardware, but if there is an issue with where HP diagnostics are required or it is determined that the loaded software or upgrade operating system is causing the issue, HP may suggest returning the system to the original Windows 8 OS that shipped with the computer. So, <laughs> again, as a Windows 8 user myself, I, don't, I wouldn't feel that need to downgrade, but a lot of people will, and they're not going to like this. It might, uh, it might make them hold out longer. It might make them say, no, I'm not buying a new PC. Which isn't so great for PCs at this point in time. And we'll kind of touch on that in a minute. But uh, as a Windows 8 user, again, as which I've been using Windows 8 for since its release now, Windows 8 Pro, uh, I actually find that I spend about 90% of my time on the old, quote-unquote, old desktop. So I'm not even really using that new UI. So I don't know why it's really that big of a deal. I mean, uh, for people who really don't like Windows 8, i got to tell you, uh, or don't want to make the upgrade, I gotta tell you that you're gonna spend a lot of your time on the major the desktop that you're familiar with already anyway. And yes, there's some other things that are different and it may bother you a little at first, but it's not so bad. And it'll be ultimately very familiar to you. You probably won't use the UI very much because uh, there's not a whole lot of apps, um, you know, at least the ones I use are, that are taking advantage of the new UI. They're, they're mostly using the legacy desktop. But, again, there may be people who just don't want to upgrade. They don't want anything to do with Windows 8. They don't care about the fact that there's some legacy apps out there and whatever. They just don't care. And, as I said before, that could be pretty bad for the PC industry. The PC industry is not growing like it should. It's not growing like it used to be. And if you put up a wall like this and say, well... Okay, you want a new computer, but we're not going to give you the operating system you want. And then the consumer says, well, fine, then I just won't get the new computer. Well, that's not what we want. That's not what the PC industry wants. They want people buying new computers. They want you to upgrade. They want to sell hardware. As much as they want to sell the software, they want to sell the hardware. So for HP anyway, it's, you know, I mean, yeah, they're, they're basically saying, hey, we're committing to Windows 8 fully committing to Windows 8. And they're, you know, essentially forcing the, their consumers, if they want to buy new computers, they're forcing the consumers to use Windows 8. Saying, this is it. We're not going back. This is it. You need to adopt. This is the future. Take it or leave it. Pretty intense. You know? So, we'll see how this all plays out. And again, I guess a lot of that depends on the the acceptance of Windows 8 in the computer world. So if generally everyone seems to accept it and enjoy it, go along with it, 
because it's a non-issue. But that has yet to be seen. Windows 8 sales are still occurring. Clearly, it's still trying to gain an, uh, an audience. In fact, Microsoft has had to up their campaign a little bit, their advertising campaigns. Because they were going around and polling people and asking them about Windows 8, and a lot of people, a lot of people, haven't even heard of Windows 8. Now, to me, it's absolutely preposterous. How could you not hear about Windows 8? Because, of course, I forget ten to time, uh, from time to time that I am in this industry. I'm always involved in technology. I'm surrounded by it. You know, if anything happens anywhere, if there's a little blurb in Silicon Valley, you know, if there's something around the corner here, you know, I hear something, some little bit of buzz, I know about it, right? I'm interested, I'm reading about it. But stop and think a little bit. The average person who does not surround themselves in technology and software and hardware and try to stay up to date on all this stuff uh, might not know anything about it. And yeah, a lot of people didn't know anything about Windows 8. They didn't even know it existed. This revolutionary, this so-called revolutionary new Windows, uh, where, we're, where we're moving away from the start menu, and people never heard of it. You know, this is the complete opposite of what uh, Windows 95 was, right? I mean, the start bar, that was huge. I mean, they have a freaking rock concert for that thing, you know? And then we've got this. It's like, it's big. It's a big deal, but I don't think people, it's not as much in the face of people as it should be. Things should be out there going, hey, look, Windows 8, Windows 8, Windows 8. Well, they're going to find out sooner or later, like when they go to buy a new computer in a couple of years, or, well, hopefully it's newer, you know, sooner than that, but they're going to go out and get a new computer, and then they're going to go, what the heck is this? Whoa, wait a minute, I thought we bought a Windows computer. What? Uh, honey? I think, I think we bought the wrong computer, because, did we buy a Mac or something? What is no, this isn't Mac. This this doesn't look like a Mac. I, I thought we were supposed to. It says Windows. That doesn't look like Windows. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine that? You've never heard of Windows 8, and you get a, a new computer, and it's oh Windows 8. No, oh, okay. And you get and you turn it on for the first time, and you're like, what? The heck is this? Okay. I'm taking this back. <laughs> no, no, I don't know. That'd be weird. But anyway, obviously they got to do a lot more work, a lot better job getting the word out about Windows 8. I've been seeing a lot more commercials uh, for Windows 8 now. But uh, yeah, forcing you to upgrade if you want, to, or forcing you to use Windows 8 if you want to upgrade. Well, however you want to take that. I think it's a, a bit extreme, but gotta do what you gotta do and heck there are other computer companies out there uh, that may not be forcing you to upgrade to Windows 8 they're a little bit more flexible so anyhow let's talk more about software let's talk about back to our let's go back to our games a little bit here Diablo 3 ah yes Blizzard games right I've been a Blizzard fan for many years uh, playing some of the older games from Warcraft all the way up to Diablo 2 and now Diablo 3, World of Warcraft, Starcraft. Oh, come on, Starcraft, what a great game. Blizzard is amazing. Uh, they've made some great games and now Diablo 3. Well, I don't know how you feel about Diablo 3. 
some uh, there's a lot of mixed reaction about it. Some people really enjoyed it, but some people thought that it was a little bit uh, short-lived. There wasn't as much content as maybe they would have liked. Some people didn't like it at all. And there are people like me who did enjoy the experience they had with Diablo 3. But I have to be honest with you, as cool as Diablo 3 is, I don't know what it is. I have no idea what it is about Diablo 2. But I absolutely love Diablo 2 and Lord of Destruction. I love both of the games. and I love the original and the expansion. And um, I still, to this day, uh, maintain my position on it that Diablo 2 is my favorite game out of the franchise as of right now. But Diablo 3 was a blast. I think it's an awesome game, don't get me wrong. A great chapter in Diablo lore. And there's some things, though, about Diablo 3 that they did change in recent patches, and they've made it a little better, and they've improved upon it. And there are some aspects of Diablo 3 that I don't even really care about, to be honest with you, because I've never used them. But other people are having a blast using uh, things like the controversial real money auction house. A new feature that doesn't interest me a whole lot, but was a big step forward for, or well, I guess it depends on your opinion, but it's a big step forward for games, including something like that, and seeing how that works. It's not the first time we've used real money in video games, but in this particular uh, style of game, the RPG uh, of Diablo, in the Diablo world, I guess, for Blizzard to take on uh, using real money is kind of interesting. But, uh, needless to say, Diablo, obviously, a, a very powerful franchise, very strong franchise. They're definitely going to sell a lot of games based on the name alone, and um, I think that they did a, a fairly good job with Diablo 3. But I'm hoping that it gets better. I'm hoping that with, uh, and I don't know if it, uh, how much it could change, but I do want to mention that there is an official Diablo 3 expansion confirmed. And Mike Morheim himself confirmed it uh, when he was on a, I believe it was a earnings call, and he was discussing and confirming that there is an expansion in the works for Diablo 3, which is uh, to be expected. I don't think any of us uh, expected that there wouldn't be one, but we hadn't heard anything about it until now, so that's pretty cool. So it's safe to say that it's going to take a little while, uh, as is traditional with Blizzard. They are <laughs> going to continue to work on the game until it is done, and I'm hoping that we will see some changes with the new expansion, but I I don't think they're going to happen, to be honest with you. I'm just going to be completely honest with you right now and up front that I don't think these changes are going to happen, but I hope that they will. But I really don't think Blizzard's going to change their stance on these uh, issues. And one of them is being able to play Diablo 3 offline. And the reason I say that is there are times where you just want to play solo on Diablo 3, and you don't want to have to deal with server issues. So let's just say the server's down, they're doing maintenance, they're doing whatever, and you just want to play solo. You're like, I don't want to play multiplayer, you know? Just cache all my data, and then when I log back in, and you just update the server with all the new data. Well, that in itself could be a problem, but in order to keep other things like piracy and things like that down, it's highly unlikely that they will move to an offline mode 
like they had with uh, previous versions of Diablo. But that's one thing that I, I thought would be really cool, and it would be nice to have an option for offline gameplay in the expansion, but I, I don't think that's going to happen. But it's worth talking about, because it's something that I, it's an actual concern. I know I'm, I'm not alone on that. I know there's a lot of other people out there that want to see an offline mode. But, you know, it is what it is, and one thing I can say for sure is that Blizzard will most likely, uh, I don't think they're going to disappoint us with a new expansion on Diablo. I'm sure it's going to be filled with awesome content. We're going to have new worlds to explore. And uh, hopefully it goes deeper and deeper than this original game did. I, I, I really hope that the expansion can bring me back into the Diablo universe in a way that I'm willing to stay longer than I did with this one. I went through one or two times and pretty much was done with it. And uh, what's funny is um, there have actually been times where I, I will see a Diablo advertisement, I will think about Diablo, I will look at the icon on my desktop or whatever, and uh, or in my apps list, and, and I'll go, hey, you know, uh, boy, I feel like I'm in the mood to adventure in the world of Diablo. And instead of firing up Diablo 3, I start opening up Diablo 2, which is wild, but true. It's absolutely true. I've done it a few times now. And I go, why? And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, why? Why? I mean, other than the obvious, Diablo 2 is a great game, but then I said, why not Diablo 3? And I don't know what it is about it. Um, it was, a, and again, when I, the first playthrough of Diablo 3 was fantastic. I had a great time. I, I felt that same adventurous feeling. I felt like I, I didn't know what was around the next corner and what we were going to see next, and it was very uh, engaging, and I thought a very strong game, a very good storyline. I was interested in it, but uh, it's, but especially after that first run-through, I did not feel that same pull to want to uh, work on next the next level of difficulty and really bring my character uh, you know through all of this again but now let's beef it up a little bit let's look for these awesome legendary weapons let's let's really get into this thing and and, and uh, let's do this again and let's see how far we can push Diablo I didn't I didn't feel that drive that same drive I had in previous uh, in the previous release in Diablo 2 and in Lord of Destruction I didn't have that same pull uh, Diablo 3 didn't have that same pull, and I don't know why. I don't know if it's just me, uh, or if it's just what it is, or if there's something dynamically different about this game that it doesn't give me that effect, and I don't know why. I, I know there's a lot of replay uh, replay value in, in Diablo. There's always There always has been. That's been one of the uh, uh, major features of Diablo since its beginnings is that there's a replay value unlike any other game. And this one does have replay value, don't get me wrong, just a lot of amazing modes and uh, uh, difficulties to go through and a lot of incentives to keep playing. I just am not, they're not appealing to me like I feel like they should. And I hope that with the expansion, maybe we'll feel that. And uh, I don't know if... Uh, you know, that's something that uh, will happen. Maybe Diablo 3 is just a different beast altogether. Maybe we'd have to wait for another Diablo before, you know, a completely different idea of, you know, a different way of, I don't know how to, how do I explain this, a different way of 
uh, presenting the Diablo universe to us. I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure what it is. Maybe it is just me. But nonetheless, I remain excited for an expansion. Uh, I remain excited to hear additional storyline, to go through the additional storyline, to experience new worlds, new content. That will definitely get my attention, and I know that I will enjoy that. And I don't want anybody uh, to take this as I hate Diablo 3 and everything. I love Diablo 3. It was a great game. I really enjoyed playing it through. It's just not my favorite. My favorite still remains the second uh, story, uh, or the second game, rather. Diablo 2 and Lord of Destruction are still my favorite, but Diablo 3 I is definitely a solid game. It is uh, a, nonetheless a good, a great Blizzard title, but I just don't have that level of engagement that I had in the previous game, and again, I'm not sure why, but hopefully uh, now that we know that the expansion is confirmed, we will start hearing little bits and pieces about it. Hopefully Blizzard will have some teasers here shortly to really get us excited about it, and uh, maybe we'll have some things... Uh, some new UI features and some new ways to keep us engaged in the gameplay. So we can look forward to that. Uh, so I also posted some cool stuff on here on the Geek with Envy website. Uh, if you haven't seen, we have a post on five cool Mac OS X Easter eggs. So if you use Mac OS X, uh, there's some Easter eggs in there. Now, if you're not familiar with Easter eggs, uh, Easter eggs are little things that developers put into software. Uh, kind of like a unique signature, um, if you will, on a piece of artwork. And there are hidden little gems that you can find in the software that are always fun and exciting. They're in uh, pretty much anything uh, you could probably find a, a uh, an Easter egg in. In fact, uh, who knows, maybe uh, there could be an Easter egg in your Casio watch somewhere, right? You know, the old digital Casio watch might even have an Easter egg in it, we just don't know about it. But they stick these things in everywhere, and OS X has... Uh, plenty of them, which was traditional for uh, Apple software for many years. And then uh, Steve Jobs kind of put a ban on all that for a little while, and now it's it's made a comeback. And there's some cool things. Um, we post them on there. There's uh, slow motion. You can make uh, your UI uh, super slow, which is kind of neat to watch the animations go. Uh, you can play Tetris in your terminal. Uh, Snake in the terminal. Uh, we have weather for nowhere. There's a cool little uh, way to mess around with your weather widget, which is awesome. Uh, the suck effect, which is, uh, of course, you uh, Mac OS X users will know that there are two different effects uh, for your Apple Dock uh, as far as minimizing things and maximizing things. There are um, there's a third one, however, besides the genie effect and scale effect. There's something called the suck effect. It is a hidden third option. That can be turned on by opening the terminal and entering the command noted on the website, which is the Apple Doc Mini Effect uh, command. Um, so you'll type that in, and you will restart your uh, Apple Doc, and boom, you've got a new effect, a third effect that was not incorporated in the settings. So, and it's pretty neat. So stuff like that's always fun to find. So we've offered five of them. Those are all five Mac OS X Easter eggs. Uh, again, if you want to check those out, they're on the Geek with Envy website uh, on the front page. And of course, as always, if there isn't something on the front page, you can head over to the search bar in the top right and type in OS 10 Easter eggs, and you will easily find that post. Uh, we also posted uh, recently uh, a walk down Windows memory lane. 
and uh, we have some pretty cool stuff here basically taking you through Windows 1.0 all the way up to Windows 8 and we've got some screenshots there and we've got a little bit of descriptions or some sorry some small descriptions on uh, what was added in each version of Windows and what made it unique and it's definitely cool to go back in time and look at all that stuff uh, to me it's like it was yesterday uh, it was only yesterday that we were using Windows 95 uh, well, I have to admit, Windows 1.0 was something I didn't use uh, a heck of a lot, if at all. Actually, I think Windows 2.0 was the earliest I really ever used Windows. Now, Windows 3.1, though, I did spend a lot of time in Windows 3 and 3.1. I remember using that quite a bit and uh, was very excited when the Windows 95 came out. I think everybody was at that time. But uh, definitely cool to see, look back and see all these. Um, gives you a little bit of nostalgia, but uh, it's amazing how far we've come in Windows, and yet it's still very similar all the way up to Windows 7. If you look at Windows 7, and you go all the way back to the top of the page, and you look at uh, Windows 1.0, well, let's not go back that far, but let's look at uh, Windows 95, for example. Windows 95 and Windows 7, uh, yeah, they're different, but uh, really it's the same concept, right? We've just improved... Uh, a lot, don't get me wrong, a lot of uh, improvements in processing power and memory and things like that. But Windows is very much the same since Windows 95, and you can see that visually here, until the most recent, Windows 8. So Windows 8 really is a big deal, and uh, this little article kind of emphasizes that. Also, there is a really awesome link on the walk down Windows memory lane. Uh, if you look there, there's a cool website that actually emulates Windows 3.1. Now, it's not a fully functioning Windows 3.1, but it uh, offers a lot. You can open up a lot. You can open up, uh, you, the program manager shows up, and you can open up the internet browser. Uh, you can play Minesweeper. Uh, there's accessories tab. There's a main tab. You can look at the help. Uh, it'll actually bring up. <laughs> actually help bring up a little an about box and everything uh, it's michaelv.org and he's actually recreated a little emulation of Windows 3.1 and it's uh, pretty cool to look at if you like to look at that kind of stuff I do there's something about older operating systems that uh, interest me from time to time and um, and again you know me I kind of like to explore everything so it's not just old Windows software that's interesting but also old uh, Mac hardware and um, some of the basic stuff that's out there is pretty cool and MS-DOS is just interesting to look back and and see how we used to use computers and actually how complicated it was I mean if you think about it people uh, who used MS-DOS in the past pretty frequently may not think about it as being complicated and maybe now they would still see it as a little complicated, but even now they might say, well, yeah, but I could get my way around. Yeah, but that's because you use it every single day. I mean, MS-DOS, man, that's, that's pretty cryptic. I mean, I think back to the stuff I used to do to, to set games up and, and set hardware up and get my sound blasters working. I mean, it's pretty wild. You know, you had to know a lot of commands. And, geez, you would have to basically get a book on that stuff. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, think about it. If you've never used MS-DOS, think about that for me. Imagine having just like a blank black screen with a cursor, like a blinking cursor on it, and now you have to type in commands 
to do things. No, no graphical user interface or anything fancy like that. And uh, in some cases, you'd have to load drivers and yeah, weird. You know, working with batch files and yeah, MS DOS was pretty 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 crazy in that. And see why uh, a graphical user interface, a GUI like Windows, was really necessary more than anything. And boy, are we glad that that caught on, right? Because MS DOS, as beautiful as it was, whew, very cryptic, very hard to use, and uh, very interesting though, nonetheless. And if you don't know anything about MS DOS, if that's totally not your generation, um, Definitely look into it and read up on it a little bit if you're into the computers and things like that because it is a unique part of computer history and uh, it's what we were doing as kids. It's how we played our games. So it's kind of weird. In fact, even before MS-DOS, there, there were still uh, commands to be entered in, in very cryptic ways of launching things. It's it's uh, Actually, MS-DOS was, was really nice and, and actually somewhat easier uh, and then it, th things before it, of course. Every time you come up with new software, it gets a little easier to use, right? Hopefully. At least that's the way it should be. Well, yeah, MS-DOS, as complicated as it seems now, uh, was actually kind of easy compared to things before it. So, very wild. Very cool. Again, uh, you can look at that article on the Geek with Envy website. It is a walk down Windows memory lane. I encourage you to check that out. Definitely check out that little Windows 3.1 emulation there. It opens up right in your web browser. You don't have to download anything. You just go right to the website and bam, you got Windows 3.1 right there. Uh, you've got some cool screenshots of some old school Windows uh, applications, or not applications, but versions of Windows. Very, very cool. All right, uh, we are approaching the wrap-up point here. I'd like to thank you again for listening to the Geek with MD podcast. We are going to continue to put these out. Uh, let us know your feedback. Please send me an email at richardvincenti at geekwithenvy.com. Uh, all your comments are appreciated. It really helps us improve uh, what we're doing here uh, by having your comments and, and letting us know how we're doing. So we want to make sure that you guys are enjoying these. Uh, we want to make sure that you're enjoying the content on the website. So again, uh, feel free to send me an email at richardvincenti at geekwithenvy.com. If you're having any trouble with the site or if you see any bugs or something goofy going on, uh, please let me know at support at geekwithenvy.com. And as always, we have our social media buttons there on the right-hand side of the screen for Facebook, Twitter, Google+, and now our YouTube channel, which we have just launched. We put our YouTube channel out there so that way we can provide uh, video content, and uh, we will continue to provide video content including including original content which is coming soon so we're working on some original content for YouTube uh, that should be pretty awesome uh, as always we have an a RSS feed that you can subscribe to so check that out as well you can get all the latest updates right into your RSS reader your favorite RSS reader um, and we are also considering doing some giveaways Yes, if you notice on the Geek with Envy website, there is a new Geek with Envy uh, giveaway uh, link at the top of the page in the top right-hand corner. Uh, currently has nothing there because we are in the planning stages of doing a giveaway. So we don't know what we're going to give away just yet. We've had a couple ideas come across the table here, but uh, we kind of had this idea that we really appreciate the fans that we do have. We're obviously continuing to build our audience, and uh, we want to say thank you to the 
people who are already in our audience and participating and liking and listening and contributing and engaging with us. So we're trying to think of some ways to say thank you. Um, and we thought one of the cool ways would be to do a giveaway. So uh, we're planning that now. We will be releasing that uh, shortly. I don't know. I can't give you an exact date on that, but we're trying to think of some cool things to give away. Um, so stay tuned and uh, continue to check back with us. Continue to check that link for updates. Of course, we won't leave you in the, in the dark there. We will be posting on our social media uh, websites um, when we do do a giveaway. So stay tuned. Subscribe to us. Subscribe to us on Facebook. Uh, we'd really appreciate that. Subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any podcasts. We do tend to upload these at goofy hours, uh, usually late at night or early in the morning we upload the new podcast. This episode will go up early this morning, and uh, or early this evening, and if you're subscribed, you will be getting it right away. You won't have to wait for iTunes to update. So that's one thing that's unique about iTunes is that there is a bit of a delay from the time I post a podcast until it actually appears on the iTunes store. So, but if you're subscribed, you will get the podcast right away. So a lot of the times, uh, if you see me tweet saying, hey, we just put episode, uh, like this one, we just put new episode five up and finished it, and it's ready to go. And you go, oh, cool, let's uh, see what's going on with that. And then you follow the link, only to find that, hey, he must be lying. There's no episode five here in the iTunes store. Well, no, it's it's there. Well, it's not in the iTunes store. It's uploaded, uh, and it's ready to go. You just can't access it because iTunes hasn't provided the link yet. But if you subscribe, uh, or if you click the subscribe button, you will immediately get the latest episode available. So, And once again, thank you very much for listening to the Geek with Envy podcast. I'm Richard Vincenti Jr., and you have a great day.